Welcome to the Believe Podcast, a conversation between friends over a passage of scripture. I'm Carolyn Kirsten. And I'm Marvin Williams. And today is episode 111, Triple right. Ones. Yep. We are continuing our look through the Gospels. And we're gonna today we're gonna see that Jesus calls the disciples and we'll start looking at the Sermon on the Mount. All right, all right. So I have I have two questions, and you can you know, we can we can answer both, but okay. um, I think they fit with where we are. So, what what do you think is the secret to building great sandcastles? I'm quite sure that when your oh. kids were smaller, you took them to the beach and they built sandcastles. What do you think is the secret? Okay, number one, if you're at Lake Michigan, don't build too close to <laughs> the water. We have made that mistake with okay. the tides. You know, when you get it just perfect, then all of a sudden it's washed away. Yeah, um, but act, but also. There is a certain that uh, moisture content. Yeah, that's right. There is a particular chemistry. I don't know. Is that chemistry? It is chemistry. Yeah, I, I think don't so. Know. You got to hit that right, so you so it will hold its shape, but not too muddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How about you? You yeah, have some I, other yeah, insights? Yeah, we same thing. The 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 moisture, the the water in the sand. It's almost like building a, a good snowman. Yes. Um, the snow has to be a certain consistency. Has to be kind of wet, but not too wet. Um, and so I think the the moisture, a certain consistency, to help create, um, you know, the the stiff walls and. So, so I think that, I think having a good foundation where you're building, if it's too sandy, right. then it's not going to, it's not going to last. So I think that's part of the consistency as well. So we plenty of times we would go to the water, get, you know, buckets full of water and we would just pour it in the sand to make it a little bit more solid. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think a good foundation is good. But here's a second question, okay. which is kind of related, it might sound different, but it's unrelated, but it is. How do you feel when you offer uh, someone good advice, sound advice, and they actually reject it? I do not like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> if I have something that I think is good wisdom for you, well, that's your problem, I guess. I mean, like, hope that works out for you, friend. <laughs> no. I love that. You should have seen your face when you said that. So, um, I, I totally agree. That that is one of my pet peeves. It's like I am, I am giving, I'm giving you my best stuff, right? I'm not, <laughs> and then you reject it, and. And then there are consequences and then you come back and, and I want so badly, I probably shouldn't I say this as a pastor, so. right? Yeah, I told you so, but <laughs> you, you, you resist saying that. And, and yeah. there's a level of compassion that you have to have because we've all done that. We've all rejected sound advice. Yep. And, um, and so this is kind of sandcastles and advice um, it, it hits where we're going today in this particular episode, particularly the latter part. Mm -hmm. uh, but to kind of jump into this episode, what, what do we see in these passages that we're looking at that we see in both uh, Mark, Matthew, Mark, and Luke? What do, what, do, yes. what do we see? So initially, we are seeing that Jesus's ministry is continuing to grow and grow. Yeah. Large crowds yeah. are following him everywhere he goes. Um, and also, he is choosing his 12 disciples. We've had a couple 
um, encounters where he has interacted with right, them. Right. But this is where he is really solidifying. These 12 guys are the primary ones I am pouring into. Yeah. Pouring into these individuals and, you know, they are going to carry out um, my uh, the, the mission that God has given me. Now, before he actually chooses them, um, um, I think all of them give they, they give us a, a hint at how he chooses them. And um, what, what does he do uh, before he makes the choice? Yeah. And Luke six, verse 12 is where it explicitly says, in these days, he went out to the mountain to pray and all night he continued in prayer to God. Man, that that to me is such a, he, he's about to make a major decision, mm-hmm. choose the guys he's going to leave this in their hands. And he doesn't just willy nilly choose them. He actually spends the entire night praying yeah. and praying about the mission, praying about who he's going to choose. And, um, and I, I, I began asking like, when was the last time I spent all night praying before a major decision? When was the last time we, um, whether it's our families or whether it's even our church, spent all night before uh, making a major decision? Now, do we have to spend all night, you know, with every decision we make? But I think Jesus does give us a good example. Yeah. How important prayer is, how important intentional setting aside time um, to pray about a major decision is. And I think he he models this well for us that, um, and even for those who are listening now, whatever major decision you're going after in the next day or two or weeks, um, man, I we would encourage you to spend some quality time praying about that decision because Jesus indicates it's it is super important that you spend time with the father before making that major decision. Okay, so then a question. So if I'm praying about a major decision, can I expect that I will hear exactly the decision I need to make? Like is God going to tell me this job, like yes, take this job or marry this person? Also both decisions this is not me. <laughs> Real examples of any time not looking for a new job or a new spouse. But is that, is that what you're saying? Like if we're praying about something, can we expect a very specific answer? I think sometimes we can expect a very specific answer. I think sometimes it is the spirit of God who gives us an indication that, um, no, this is the direction you should go. Uh, or um, I think he begins to give us wisdom and he, um, he gives us more questions that we can consider. Um, in terms of alignment, in terms of uh, who are the individuals that I can actually go to for greater wisdom. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it's not I think sometimes he says he gives us a really, really good impression that, yes, this is the job you should take or this is the person that you should marry. You're ready for that. You're ready in terms of maturity and otherwise. But I think sometimes it is it is um, he shows us who else we can talk to about this. But I think, I think beyond that, I think it, I think it's preparing our hearts to receive whatever answer that Mm. he gives us. And um, so I think that's, I think those are some, some ways. And yes, sometimes, 
we get a really, really strong impression that this is the person or this is the job or this is the career. And then other times, I think he gives us agency to say, here are re- three really good choices. I'm giving you wisdom now to make uh, to make that choice. Okay. Anything to add to that? Or? No, I think that. But I think I, that, I yeah. think that might be a question we somebody yeah. might have. It's really good. So. Really good. Okay, then we move into some teaching that Jesus gives. Um, teaching we often call the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Now, before we go there, okay, yes, one more. I think one more point, very, very important point. Okay, from the from Jesus calling them, he called them to be with him first. And there's this sense where anything we do for God, it is first being with him. Mm. And um, and again, it's it really is about a relationship as opposed to, hey, go out and do these great things. I think we sometimes idolize impact mm. and I want to have an impact. I want to have an impact. And I think impact becomes the idol versus us being with God, spending time with him, us hearing his voice. We've talked about that when we talk about spiritual disciplines and habits, that there's this sense where he invites us to be with him. And I think that's what he's doing with these 12. First, to understand his heart. And then once they understand his heart, they're able to go out and carry out his mission in a, in a more effective way. And so I just wanted to highlight yeah, that because I good. think that's super important, even as um, as we spend time alone with God, it's first to be with him. And then out of that, we can do for him more effectively. Yeah. And I mean, I'm just thinking of all the things that this scene is not. It's not Jesus interviewing them or yeah. sending them out to see how they do, like right, test them right. out. And nope, he picks them. Yeah. Um, a variety of people from fishermen to tax collectors to a, a zealot who is an enemy. Uh, I mean, all an, or enemy of Rome, um, all kinds of people. So it, it had nothing to do with their qualifications. Um, and yeah, just to reinforce that. Yes, it was to be with him. Yeah. Yeah. They're qualified because he qualified them. Absolutely. And Absolutely. they start by just learning and being with him. Yeah. So now, okay. And now this is, it's this, if if you're in Matthew, it's over three chapters, Yes, you know, five, six, and seven. So there's no way we're going to be able to cover every, Yeah, we could do an episode on every four or five verses if we wanted to, but we don't want this series to take three years (laughs) to finish. So we are going to go kind of high level um, view today. We'll cover Matthew five, Basically, Matthew 5, a little bit, four verses in six, and then the parallel passages in Luke, Luke 6, 20 to 36, but kind of high level. Well, what, how, what is kind of an overview of what Jesus is doing here? Yeah. So, so I think, I think the larger understanding of both in the Matthew and the Luke passage is how do we, if, if I am being called a kingdom citizen, a citizen in the kingdom of God, then what is the kingdom ethic? How then should we live based on um, Jesus being um, the uh, God being uh, king and him reigning over our lives? What then does that look like? What is the ethic? What is the conduct? How should we live in light of Jesus being our king mm-hmm. and him reigning over our lives? So that's the, I think that's the larger question. And Matthew and Luke answers that question yep. with the, 
these um, these uh, ethical attitudes. And again, it is not it is not I live this way in order to be saved or to be in the kingdom. It is because I am uh, living under the reign and rule. Then this is how that should look. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Our righteousness is not through obeying the law. Yeah. Also true. Jesus doesn't come to blow it all up. Yeah. He comes to fulfill it. It is that new wineskins idea again. Yeah. See, I told you we were going to talk about it in several different episodes. Um, it's a new way of living, a new way of looking at these things. I mean, there are several, particularly in Matthew, where Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I say, and on topics of anger, lust, divorce, um, prompt oaths, revenge, and loving your enemies. He's quoting um, law, and then he's taking it to a new level, yep. a, a deeper level, and really even a, a more heart level. Absolutely. Obedience that we yeah. are called to as followers of Jesus. Yeah. And he's clarifying it. So for instance, if we take um, the um, the adultery or the anger one, um, you know, for, for particularly the adultery one, say you have heard it said um, that you should not commit adultery. And then Jesus goes on and said, hey, I am getting at the heart of it. I'm saying don't I'm getting to where it actually starts when you look at someone with lust, then um, that's where it actually begins. Um, again, the anger piece, it is I, I want you to understand where anger begins. It's not, you know, yes, anger ends in killing someone mm -hmm. or hurting someone. I I'm saying I don't even want you to be begin to be angry because anger is connected to those other other acts. And so Jesus clarifies yeah. the law um, saying and and almost gives it its original intent and purpose and not just behavior modification, which we are so prone to do in our world. Um, but Jesus says, I want I'm, I'm going after your heart. And if I can change your heart, you won't, number one, you won't get angry, you won't lust, and you'll, you you know, you won't do those other things that are connected to those things. Mm -hmm. so. We talk about this in spiritual parenting, yeah. that it is not just, we don't want to just focus on our kids' behavior because if they're obeying, if, if the behavior looks good because they're afraid or because they are naturally compliant, but it doesn't change their heart, they're not going to continue Absolutely. in that when it gets hard or when it get dif gets difficult. Um, Paul David Tripp in his parenting book uses an analogy of ap an apple tree and how just tacking apples on an <laughs> oak tree does right. not make it an apple tree. Yeah, yeah. You, it is the heart of the tree that makes it what it is. So the same thing. It's a great example. That's what Jesus is saying. It's not just about these outward behaviors. It is the heart change that he's drilling down um, for, and that's the transformation of the heart, yeah. not just outward behavior. Absolutely. So if, if, if we were to look at, you know, you look at the Luke passage, the Matthew passage, uh, I think these would be considered foundational Christian teachings. Yeah. So if you said, okay, if you didn't have any other uh, writings in the Bible, if you said, you know, if I wanted to focus on just the next 30 days or the next 60 days or the next 90 days, and I wanted to know what is it that Jesus expects of me or wants from me or where can I begin? 
I would drive people to the Sermon on the Mount because it is, in fact, the foundation. It's the it's the it's the consistency in the sand that builds the the really good sand castles, right? It is Jesus's sound advice mm-hmm. on how to live in the kingdom of God. If you want to know, you know, um, how uh, what kinds of spiritual disciplines I should focus on. Um, I think he tells us prayer and fasting and and generosity. Those are, again, foundational teachings. If you want to focus on, if you want to understand um, what kind of attitudes we should have, then the Beatitudes in Matthew uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. All of these things are, are heart issues, foundational. And if we can get that foundation strong, then he uh, then then God begins to build all kinds of things on those uh, on that foundation. And mm-hmm. so so if you if you had to start someplace, we would say, man, this is a great place to begin because these are foundational teachings for believers. And and they are not easy. They're, no, no, they're not. <laughs> they no, they're, really no, they're not. difficult. I mean, even just this section I have opened to Luke where he's talking about loving your enemies. I mean. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who observe or who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other. Give to everyone who begs from you. I mean, it is this constant laying out selflessness yeah. that yeah. we are called yeah. to. On the one hand, it shows us how much we need Jesus. Yeah. And thankfully, we have Jesus. Yeah. We have the Holy Spirit to enable us to live lives like this. Um and the whole idea, so I have a new perspective on the word the, the word love in the Bible. I was at Taylor University visiting uh, my girls, and the chapel speaker was Beth Guggenberg. And a portion of her um, talk, she talked about the Hebrew word for love is ahava. Okay. I think I'm saying nice that right. Okay. And so the first, she made the point, first of all, that the first part of that word, the first four letters, so ahav means to give. So built right in to the word love is the concept of giving, hmm. that love wow. is giving. And then she shared that she was teaching on this and somebody actually interrupted her and said, yeah, and not only that, well, he said, you're not saying it right. It's not ahava, it's ahava, that you are <laughs> supposed to carry out that last syllable as long as you can. The idea that as until you are out of breath. Wow. wow. So that get, love means giving and giving and giving until your last breath, until you are wow, out of that's breath. A great. Isn't that really that's good? Really I'm telling good. you, I will never think of that, of love the same way again. And so that as I'm reading this, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even yeah. sinners love those who love them. But Jesus is challenging us to give and love and love and love and love until we are out of breath, until yeah. we are breathless yeah. in giving and that, loving. That is so, so good. Um, and and I think it's, I think it really does sum up the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. Um, and literally, whether it is loving God and loving others, it kind of comes back to that, you know, the great, com- the great commandment, you know, love God and our loving God is expressed through our loving other people. And, um, and, you know, I love this concept, which lets us know this is a lifelong journey. Yes. G- love and give until you're out of breath. And to me, um, just as you talked about it, I'll never look at that word the same again, because, um, like 
I should do it until I can breathe no more. Yeah. And uh, and not worry about the results and not worry about the outcomes. Will they reciprocate? Will they give back? And that's not my responsibility. Yep. My responsibility is to is to give um, like uh, like you've mentioned here. And I think that's I think that's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Challenging, but phenomenal. Very challenging. Yeah. So what can we believe about God, ourselves and others from this section of scripture? Yeah, I think I think going back to the the very um, the, the very beginning is that um, that that God calls us to be with him first, hmm. to be with him. And and he calls all kinds of people to be with him. Um, as in the text, zealots and those who are marginalized and those who are outcasts. But before we do anything for him, which again, I'm, I'm prone to do, um, I'm, I'm called to be first. I'm called to be with him. And, uh, so I think that's the, that's one thing that I can learn about, uh, or believe about God. He's called me to be with him before he's called me to do for him. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then when I, yes. And then building on that too. <laughs> and then when I read all of these things to do or not to yeah. do that feel beyond me to remember that it's in his strength that yeah. he, and it's, it's that heart transformation. It is not me doing the thing or not doing the thing um, that is effective. It's God at work in me yeah. and relying on his love and his strength. Yeah. To yeah. walk out that life. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think the, um, you know, again, going back to the Sermon on the Mount is, is that this, this is the ethic. Um, and, and I don't, I don't have this. I, I heard someone say um, when they were challenged by Jesus's ethic in the Sermon on the Mount, um, they say, oh, that's old fashioned. That's out of date. And so uh, it, it saddened me because now we, we've gotten to the place where uh, even Jesus's words are no longer palatable. Mm -hmm. And um, and yet this is the ethic he calls us to, whether it's reciprocated, whether I feel like it, whether I like it or not. Um, this is what it looks like for me to um, to live in the kingdom of God, to live this way. And if I if I read nothing else and just have this um, this is, this is what he's called me to. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I think it, if we do this, it co literally covers a lot of the other things that we, we see in scripture. And so, so he's called me to live this way. And so that's what I can believe about me that he's called me to live this way. But to what your, to your point, I am not doing it in my own strength. I'm doing it in his strength. And, um, and I think we can be effective when we do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, friends, for joining us. Have a spiritual conversation with someone else yourself this week. <laughs> <laughs>